All right. Welcome, everyone, to Real Sales Talk. This is a show for salespeople by real salespeople that have quotas, that sit in the seat and sell products and sell services and crush it. So if you're in sales, you're in business, you're definitely in the right place. My name is Sean. I'm, I'm one of your co-hosts. And we got Henry down bottom left, who is the other co-host for Real Sales Talk. And we got a really, really special guest. He's a friend of mine. <laughs> I think we connected on Twitter. This is, this is like incredible. Like all of our guests that we've had on the show so far, uh, we've met through social media, which is incredible. So my friend, he, he is a businessman. He's a salesperson. He's an entrepreneur. And he runs his own business that caters to sales and marketing for the auto industry, auto dealerships. So uh, Matt Koenig, thank you and welcome so much. Oh, man, thank you. I'm so jacked up to be on the show i am like as you're as you're introing me i am pulling up like my facebook feed one more time sharing it <laughs> so that it annoys the living hell out of my friends timelines and they tune in because they need to be part of this right everybody awesome. needs to learn more about being a kick-ass leader absolutely absolutely um before we dive into the really really good stuff um let's take care of a few housekeeping things um first off for those that this is this is their first time on Blab, just a few few things so you know how to navigate around. Bottom right is where you can find the comment section. Add your questions, add your comments, um, add your feedback. As we're dialoguing, love to see feedback in that in that little bottom right corner. So make sure you're adding that. If you want to share this, you can actually do that top left. Share it on Facebook. Share it on Twitter. The more we talk about this, the more people that jump on and the more dialogue we get and the more we learn from each other. So don't hesitate. Oh, and the last last thing in regards to Blab housekeeping is if you want to join by video, there's an extra spot here at any point while we're talking. If you want to add your thoughts, your comments, your <coughs> questions, and you want to uh, ask us or add your comments, please feel free and do that at any point. It's an open seat. Um, once we see you calling in, we'll just we'll just transition you in and you can add your, your comments. Henry, um, where how can people talk about Real Sales Talk if they're doing that on Twitter and on Facebook and on the other social platforms? Yeah, so I was just going to add that. So if uh, you're on Twitter, on Facebook, any of that, um, just use the hashtag Real Sales Talk. Um, always like to engage with people there. Uh, I'm a huge Twitter user. I'm always diving into the uh, hashtags and stuff, stuff like that. So um, there's a question you want to ask if you're listening to this later. Um, ask it there at uh, Talk to Henry J is my name at Sean and Mitchell and and Matt. You're Conan at Conan Co. K O N I G C O. There we go. So feel free to reach out to all of us, and we're uh, happy to engage. Awesome. Cool. So, um, Henry, are we done with giving away books? Have we given all of them away or do we have one last one to do? Um, I, I, I honestly don't have the answer for you on that. So we've given away what two or three now. Uh -huh. I don't, I don't remember either. So we'll skip this one. Let's just do, let's say, let's say, let's be on the safe side and we'll do another one uh, next time. If we've not. And I'll tell you what we've got. Uh, I've got some autographed, copies of Gary Vaynerchuk's Ask Gary V book that have uh, autographed Rockstar Auto Conference uh, stickers in them. So I'll tell you what, uh, when we get done with this, uh, drop, drop me the address, man. I'll, I'll throw a couple of them in the mail for you guys and a couple of them that you can give away compliments of, uh, of myself and Chris Spear. Sweet. Awesome. awesome. Cool. So without further ado, let's get into the show. And I want to start off. So tonight we're talking about um, leadership. And um, when I emailed Matt to ask him uh, about what what would be good to talk about, he emailed me like three or four or five different uh, uh, catchphrases and topics. And the one that stuck out to me the most is, does your leadership suck? And the reason why is because I think we have all had those moments in our careers where we've had sucky leaders. And so, you know, I know that, that I have some things I can draw some from personal experience. Um, and hopefully we can all at least look back on some moments where we've had some good leaders and maybe, maybe some of us are lucky enough to have some great leaders. So um, Matt, I want to, I want to kick it off with a question to you and start really, really yeah. basic here. How, how would you define leadership? I would define leadership uh, this way. Um, I would say you're not a leader unless people want to follow you. 
I mean, at the very core of everything. Um, a, a leader isn't a leader if nobody wants to follow them, right? It's not allowed you can tweet or Facebook or, or Instagram or Snap story yourself to annoy the living piss out of everyone. People have to go, you know what? I want to follow that guy or I want to follow that girl. That's where it begins. It's, it's, it's not really the core core, but that's when, when, when someone gets recognized as a leader. Um, I, I think that's where it is right there is when people say, hey, I want to I follow this person. Well, you know, one of the things that, that stands out, and I mean, let's just jump into this. Um, why are there so many sucky leaders? Why, why, is it, why does it seem so hard to be a great leader? You know, that, that is the question. It shouldn't be, right? Like, it's funny that I'm so stoked that we're doing this because five days ago, no joke, and I just tweeted it, and I'm going to show the people on Blab, get the lighting right. Five days ago, I tweeted out and I said, if I do a monthly webinar series, which topics would you prefer to see? And the choices I put were leadership closing, email prospecting, and closing phone leads. Here's what the results were. 43% said leadership. Now, my gut was going to be, uh, everybody's going to go closing, but I'm really looking to see number two is, right? Not, so tied for number one were leadership and email prospecting. Then closing was only 14% and closing phone leads was zero. Right. So here's the funny thing, man. Nearly a 50 50 split. People want to learn how to prospect, mostly probably salespeople that, that don't uh, desire to be a leader. And then almost half of the human beings that responded said, Man, leadership is what I want to learn. I think the reason that there are so many sucky leaders is because there are so few good ones that, that are, are educating those to come. Right. We see amazing people like an Elon Musk or a Steve Jobs or a Bill Gates or a Richard Branson. They were amazing. But there's one critical um, thing that didn't that, that we don't see them doing, and I'm not saying they don't do it behind the scenes, but that we the, the majority of the world doesn't see. We see them as leaders because they're innovators and they're great speakers, but we don't see them grooming the next generation, right? If you want to really go back to where like leadership, and I'm sure it's before, and, and 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 take this from a historical and not a religious perspective, but Jesus. Right. You see the stories of Jesus. And what is he always doing? Teaching someone, teaching someone how to what, how to replicate what he's doing. So all these people are following this cat and he's teaching everybody else so that they can get people to follow, too. That's what it looks like. But nowadays we don't have that. We have people that were at least in our industry, right, in sales. We have people that they were a good salesperson. So sometimes like, you're a good salesperson. Let's promote you. <laughs> Most people go, I don't want to be stuck in the same job forever. And the business doesn't, the company doesn't want to lose them. So they're like, well, I know they're a top salesperson. And gosh, I don't want to pay them a higher commission percentage because I'm, I'm a tightwad. So let's just promote them in management. Hell, then we can cut their pay and then ruin them <laughs> forever. <laughs> so way long answer, but I, I think there are just too few um, successful yep. uh, leaders that, that excel in certain areas. They're just not educating the next generation like they should. You know, you know he, he, hey, Matt, and sorry, to, sorry to cut in, uh, Sean, because I, I think I think it'd be good to to almost even take a step back, right? Because I think you have a good bio to kind of talk to why you're a great person to kind of talk to this, right? I mean, you've written, <laughs> um, you, you had a book, I believe it was about uh, winners and losers. You had the the, the this book uh, is for you. This book's right? for you, stupid. <laughs> <laughs> And, and you you have your own company. You've been a, in, in sales management and such, right? I mean, I'd love to hear you know at least because there's people on here who may have read your LinkedIn and kind of done their done a little research on you. I'd love to hear. Oh yeah. You back. Uh, uh, all right, man. I'll, I'll I'll peel that through in a nutshell. And, and the books that uh, he was referencing, if you go to Amazon, uh, it's M A T K O E N I G. Uh, if you go to Amazon, you can look up those books. Um, and they're all they're all short reads. They're meant to be read in about less time than it takes to watch a movie. Um, because that's how I like to read. Uh, most I read on audiobooks, so I write like I like to read. Um, <clears throat> so my background comes in like this. Uh, I'm an 18-year-old kid uh, with a kid on the way, flat broke, and I get fired from like every manual labor job that I have because I suck. And um, my dad smoked pot with a guy who was a finance manager at a car dealership. <laughs> uh, and, uh, and, and he asked his buddy to do him a favor and, and get me an interview. I'm thinking I'm going to detail cars. Lo and behold, I get a job selling cars. And... Uh, I'm all excited. Um, you know, you start Monday and then when I start, there's five other guys that started the same day, right? We all get the same speech. There's the keys. There's the lot. Don't let anybody leave without talking to us. Yada, yada, yada. And so I started my career in sales at, at 18 years old. And, uh, and the first customer I get, I walk out, it's a guy and his kid. It's a black Chevy Cavalier two door 1994 model. I remember like it was yesterday. <laughs> and, uh, and, and I said, Hey, you know, can I help you? And they said, Nope. No, you know, we're good. We're good. We're just looking. And I said, okay, well, here's, here's my card. My name's Matt. I don't even think I, 
it was written on the business card, so we didn't have them yet. Hey, my name's Matt. Come in, you know, if you need any help. I walk in, my manager asks why I don't, you know, why, why, why'd you leave your customer? Your week suck. Come on, drags me back out. <laughs> he says a bunch of crap. They get in the car. I'm in the backseat. I'm, I'm always a chubby kid my whole life. So the fact that he gets in the backseat of the two-door Cavalier and we go down the road. The whole time they're talking about how big of a jerk the guy is, right? Oh my God, we'll never buy a car here. I'm in the backseat, like shrinking. I go, you know, when we get back, just pull off to the side of the store. I'll park the car. You guys can run for it. I am so <laughs> sorry. And I walk in and he says, where's your customer? I'm like, dude, they hate you, man. You know, and I'm an 18 year old kid. So I don't even know how to communicate properly with an adult because I'm an idiot at that time. <laughs> and I'm like, listen, man, they hate you. They're like talking bad about you. They're like, we're never going to buy a car here. So I'm like, well, no sense of prolonging the pain. I just told him to go home. <laughs> and he's like, the next time you do that, you can get a box and go with them. Right. And I got that big lecture. Right. Don't ever let anyone leave without talking to me. You know, get called, called a few names. Two months in, I had no training, no guidance. I failed. Next dealership, similar story. No training, no guidance. I failed. Third dealership I get to um, after eight hours of interviewing, you know, I'm a 19 year old kid this time and uh, they had me shadow their top guy. And I had a willingness to learn mostly because uh, I was broke. My, uh, I was sleeping on the floor. My, my, my son uh, was a baby, so he had a crib and stuff. But his mom and I, we slept on like a blanket on the floor and had a blanket to cover up. And that was it. We were broke. We were in ramen noodles and potatoes. We were like literally that broke. So I, I, I couldn't fail again. So I had like a, finally had a spirit of, of geez, I got to learn. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to die here, right? This kid's going to starve to death. So thankfully that dealership uh, turned, turned me on to Grant Cardone training. And back then it was cassette tapes. For those of you that don't know, those are those things that look like they go on a cell phone holder. Uh, and they have like actual tape in them that plays sound. Amazing, man. Um, I know. It's a trip, right? Ah, that I, man, I am getting that old. So um, <laughs> so I listened to Grant Cardone tapes every day. I mentored with a guy named Chip Iceberg, who used to be a pro golfer and then became a car sales guy. And at the end of the first year, I was salesperson of the year. And it was great. Now, it would be good if the story ended there. But like most salespeople, about a year in, I, I thought I was smarter than all my managers. And I went from being a 20 plus car guy down to like a seven car guy. And I sucked. And then I got on the roller coaster. Good month, bad month, good month, bad month. Till finally, um, I had a manager who cared enough, Bart Damron. He works at Sealy uh, of Papa to this day as a general sales manager. Um, he pulled me aside and said, hey, man, uh, you know, your numbers have been so low. You're sharing an office with your buddy Todd so that we don't have to fire one of you. But here's the deal. One of you, one of you is uh, going to be good and one of you is Todd. <laughs> and he said, so here's the deal. The only way you're going to keep your job today is this. And he did this at the end of the day. He said, you're going to take your planner. That, For those of you that don't know, those are things we used to write in. Um, he said, you're going to write every half an hour what you did today. Then you're going to bring it to me so I can see that you didn't fudge it. Then I'm going to sign it. You're going to take it home and have your wife sign it and bring it back tomorrow. If you do, you still have a job. If you're not going to, pack your stuff at the end of the night. Well, once I'd been at you know three other stores, it's not a big town. So I didn't really have a choice. So I did that. I got yelled at at home, blah, blah, blah. No wonder we're broke all the time. And it clicked, right? I realized, you know, again, I needed to turn it up. Thankfully, my owner at that store invested over half a million dollars in sales training with the, the Joe Verde group back then, um, which some of us dated now, but there were a lot of fundamental skills I learned. And then things just started to take off. Uh, became a sales manager and went to leadership training, went to train your trainer training and learned, really learned how to serve my people. I, I learned that, uh, that my job, you know, was to serve them, not, not for them to serve me. And so uh, after a dozen years in the automotive world, you know, I went through management, new car, used car manager, finance manager. Then I was a sales trainer for the Harold Ziegler Auto Group, who's a, a large group in the Midwest. And then I uh, decided to, to take a risk and do everything on my own. I was uh, 29 and debt free and said, hey, I'm going to start a company because I want to I want to go back in debt after I lose everything. Uh, so I, I started a couple companies. Uh, started, lost a bunch of money, went back to work at a dealership. Started another one, lost some money, did it three times. Um, and then I switched to the vendor side and uh, went to work at cars.com, uh, fixed a market that was broken for them. Uh, then I went to work and launched Edmunds.com's direct-to-dealer program for them and uh, took it from non-existent. An auto trader tried to help them and failed. And uh, as a one-man band, I just because I treated dealers like humans, uh, I came in and, and we brought it to the point where we could hire 50 salespeople all over the country, fully staffed their management team. And, uh, and once we did that, um, then I just, I, uh, I just got tired of answering to people whose vision would change once they got money in their pocket. 
and uh, and and not not knocking uh, Edmonds as a company. They're a great company. But a few people that were in leadership that are no longer there um, really just had a desire to shift gears once they had the money. And it went from hey, if we do this and serve serve our our people, they're going to love us. To hey, now it's all about the revenue. And I'm like, whoa, the revenue is here because of the mindset we had. So then I just decided screw it. You know, I got enough money in the bank, not much, but I had like a. $3,000 in the bank because I spent every penny I had at 600 Mercedes. I've always lived by the, you can't take it with you mentality. So I ate out every night, uh, you know, party like a rock star. Um, and, um, I was sitting at a, at a Culver's and, uh, I was with my kids and they wanted some ice cream. It's a Texas code to this number, get an ice cream next time. They did it. The little thing came back, said, show your coupon to get an ice cream. And I said, if I could do that for car dealers, nobody's doing that in the country. And I make a ton of money. So that night I went and did some research, leased a $45 texting platform. So I didn't even have a company yet. Uh, printed out sell sheets that looked like I did and uh, created a short code and went out and drove about 180 miles south of my house and knocked in every door on the way back. In the next 14 days, I brought on 22 clients and said, yep, guess it's a good idea. And then spent the money I made back into it and, uh, and started doing something that no one was doing. Texting was around, but uh, no one was utilizing it to generate leads like that. And so that's where things kicked off with my companies. And then I started hitting social hard, built a name, and uh, and now we've, we we innovated and we're the first to do it in Spanish with uh, websites. My man, Sean, uh, connected a sense of video email, and that's how we connected. But uh, the rest, as they say, is history. You know, now we're... Um, you know, we're the only company that's been written up uh, three times in automotive news for um, being the first to ever do a, a Spanish automotive classified site. And and we do Spanish websites for car dealers. And uh, we do things a little differently, which we don't speak of uh, on air about the creative things we do, because there are many people that are already trying to steal them and buy it and we won't let them. But um, yeah, I mean, we've always been, uh, I've always been somebody that will take every dime I have and throw it into a risk. And that's probably why I'm very well known, but also not flying a jet like my friend Grant Cardone. <laughs> so I'm not, as Petey Pablo said in the song Goodies, uh, I ain't there yet, but I'm getting better at it. Yep. So there we go. Yeah. You keep making Petey Pablo references, you're good with me. <laughs> awesome. Awesome. <laughs> hey, I, I like it. So, so I have a question for you on that, right? Because you obviously worked for many different leaders throughout that, probably interacted with a ton, right? Grant Cardone, you mentioned you listened to a lot of his stuff. I know you guys did the thing with Gary V. Um, throughout your life, like, can you point out certain maybe leaders that you gain stuff from or things that you learned that you definitely didn't want to do uh, through kind of interacting with these people? Yeah, I, I can. Um, the first thing I can remember is Bart having me write that stuff down. I was like, holy crap. I'm like, dude, I'm going to start crying. I'm a grown up here, but I'm going to cry. <laughs> so, so broken down. I was like, dude, this is killing me. I don't want to do this. But in that moment, what I learned was you have to care more about the success of your people than they do for themselves. Right. Listen, Bart knew I had it in me. Even when, when I would say probably even when I didn't believe in me, he believed. Right. So he's like, listen, you're going to have to do this. So I grabbed that in that moment. And then that, that has helped shape me when it comes to having those tough conversations sometimes, you know, with my guys. And it's just like, listen, man, uh, this is one of those times where I'm going to have to care about you more than you do. And I'm going to tell you, you're too good to be doing this. So here's what you're going to do. You always have the right to work somewhere else where they won't care about getting you to the next level, but we care about you. And this is the only way for you to get there. So if you're going to be here, you got to do it. Um, I'm fortunate because every single person that works in our comp company is a friend or family member. Everyone. There is no, there is no, there's nobody that came in that <clears throat> interviewed well and we hired him that we didn't know. My son Cullen works on the phone, has been setting phone appointments for us. Josh used to be our bartender at our favorite bar that works with us. Uh, Therese, our office manager, is my business partner's sister, Chris, one of my best friends. Well, he lives in my house, right? Uh, and, and Tim Bartholomew, one of my best friends and my business partner. So um, those are all the in-office people. And every one of us is a, is a friend or family member. And we're all connected. So Bart was a, a shining moment. Um, the Joe Verde group. Holy cow, man. Uh, Tim Kintz, my boy Tim Kintz. I'm still connected to him. And he, uh, he has a sales training company. 
Tim Kiss uh, was one of the teachers. He and Doug Christensen at the uh, leadership training, uh, manager training for Joe Verde. And those guys had the heart-to-heart meetings with me about one-on-ones with your people, how critical it is to make sure that daily you're connecting with them so that you know what's going on and you always have your finger on the pulse, but in a way that's to serve them, not to berate them. So I learned that from those guys. Uh, Grant Cardone, man, listen, I've been listening to him since the 90s, legit. Uh, he's always been a mentor. Now I call him a friend. He came, he flew in. Yes. Kinsgroup.com. Yep. Uh, my man, Grant Cardone. Uh, he flew in from Miami to speak at the Rockstar Auto Conference. He brought Elena. He brought his daughters and he charged us $0. And this was, a, this did, was like a month or two ago, right? Yeah. It's the beginning of March, man. Grant, Grant, and, and obviously we would have been willing to pay. I mean, Jesus, the guy's a beast, but Grant out of the love of his heart, did that for that though the people in the room and the couple thousand people that watched it online that's that's a leader i mean that to me but that's been a lifetime of that grant what i've learned from grant so many times over the years is this that one of the biggest things i learned from him as a leader is it does not matter what other people think about you in the public eye what matters is your results over the last 30 god 20 plus years i can't tell you how many people i've watched uh, MF Grant up and down, right? Before, of course, it was all over social media and then they'd get caught. And then they get on social media and then they're kissing his ass, right? Yeah. And it's funny, it's like, oh, you, you know, people love to hate. And there's a meme that I saw that said, you know, uh, you know, right now people are whatever, but one day those same people are going to say, oh, I remember when I used to know him, right? Yeah. So I learned from Grant, you, you've always got already in your mind, be bigger than what your bank account says right now or what anybody else believes you are right now. And as a leader, you've got to be able to project that to your team. Like, we're a, we're a, God, we're a startup factory. That's what I feel like sometimes. We're a startup company factory. We, in the past three years, four years, I've started two companies from zero dollars. No investors, no loans. Like my credit cards, which there were, a sack of, but I, nobody else's decisions. Nobody could could compromise stuff, and so I feel like we're we're a startup factory. We're always churning something, but that means we've always got to have people believe in something that doesn't exist yet, mm-hmm. from clients to staff. So I think I've learned that from Grant is you know if you believe strong enough in something then you'll be able to cast that vision to others. So throughout, throughout my lifetime, those are the things that I, that I think I've picked up most from Learson. Bart, the Joe Verde guys. Oh, Sean Gardner from the Joe Verde group. When I went to train your trainer, um, we all had to memorize basically stacks of stuff that we were going to each do like a 15-minute training session for the whole room the next day. And we're standing outside the doors. And he's like, okay, drop to the ground, do 10 push-ups. Right? And I'm like, I can do like three. But I did it. <laughs> <laughs> like, do 10 jumping jacks, run in place. And he's like, all right, stop. He's like, breathe. He goes, take a deep breath. I go, <gasps> he kicks the door open and shoves me in the room. You know, here's, here's 70 people. And I gotta go out there with fire and start training them. And I learned in that moment that you have to be ready all the time to be on stage, no matter how many people, two people, a thousand people, you've always got to be prepared. So, so that, that was a leadership moment, learning moment for me. So, I just uh, and Chris Spear, haha. Chris isn't even on this. He said he was going to be. Where is he? Texting well, right now. <laughs> he's actually working on. I think he's he's, he's wrapping up one of his properties that nice. uh, that somebody's going to buy. Um, but Chris Spear, I've learned leadership stuff from Chris, and, and a lot of people don't talk about learning from the people that work with them that you know that aren't above them. Yeah. In the ownership hierarchy yeah. of a company, but um, you know, Chris every day he lives in my house. It's a it's a decent sized house, but. But he's got the whole downstairs, and every single morning, like clockwork, I hear the booming from the downstairs <laughs> from Motivation Grid, right? We got Eric Thomas, Tony Robbins, uh, usually not Gary V all the time. Gary's before himself, but he's an awesome dude. But I mean, most of his stuff he's talking about is, uh, application, not motivation, right? So, but, but, um, and some of the most mo- motivating pump you up stuff every single morning. That's how Chris's day begins. And, one of the things that I've learned about him about leadership and as a leader is that it's never too late to go back to what the fundamentals are, right? Our attitudes always got to be on point, but you, you get to a point where you feel like, Oh, I'm, I'm here. You know, I'm not here yet, but I'm here. So I stopped doing the basics. You know, I don't, I don't do this every day. 
And and Chris really uh, reopened my eyes to that as a leader. So uh, kudos to speak. Absolutely. He's a good guy. And he actually, I think it was our very first episode, Henry, where he came on and shared his story. Um, he shared his story about how he, he was working to leverage Gary V and Grant Cardone to both get into the, to your, uh, to your auto conference. So I, I, over, over the time period of, I don't know, when, when did we start connecting? Maybe in the summer of last year, I've, you know, mm-hmm. grown, grown a massive appreciation for, for Chris. So um, ne- next question I've got for you, Matt, is let's say, let's say you're a young salesperson, uh, you're doing great, you're meeting your quota, and um, you're thinking about leadership and that you want to someday be a leader. How can, how can a young sales rep position him or herself to be, be in that role or to be presented that role at some point down the line? Oh, man. The first thing I would tell you to do is ask yourself why you want to do it in the first place. And that's not a negative thing. That's a, are you really wired for it? You know, one of the things I learned is I wasn't the best salesperson. I was decent. I did a good job, good repeat referrals, but I wasn't the best. You know, when I was 19, I was at my one store at salesperson of the year, but I never did it again after that. But what I learned is that I wasn't wired to be the best salesperson. At that time in my life, I wasn't. And I think some of the very best salespeople I know are not wired to be a leader, and I'll explain why. And uh, John Clavidusher, who, um, man, boy, you know, people say iron sharpens iron. Boy, did we not get along when I was at Cars.com. He was a VP of sales, not senior VP, Alex better, but John Clavidusher. And uh, boy, we butted heads all the time. And I wanted to be a regional manager for cars. I was a uh, top guy in the field in the country, out of the Midwest. I was smashing the country. I'm like, I'm the guy. I've been in leadership roles before. You need to put me in a leadership role. You need me as a regional manager. And what John saw that I didn't was that everything I was talking about was me. It was all about me. And that's the thing. And he was like, no, 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 no. And I'm going, good God, I can take a team and make them the best. What is wrong with you? (laughs) And instead, he went to Dennis Galbraith and said, hey, he needs to be a sales training manager for the company. We need them with all of our people and all of our leaders. And I didn't see that at that time. And then by being in that role, I was able to make a, a bigger impact. Now, but I didn't have to do the daily management stuff. And I, at that time, I wasn't ready to. I, I wanted the spotlight. I, I was a top salesperson. I liked being on stage. So when a salesperson thinks, you know, I think I want to advance my career, first thing they have to realize is moving into a quote-unquote leadership role is not always an advancement in your career. It's just a different role, but they have to first ask themselves, am I ready to become a servant? Because that's what you really have to do, right? If the answer to that is yes, then the best way to position themselves is to start learning from people that have been successful. Uh, I say read, but when I say read, I mean get audible.com and listen to audiobooks. Digest <laughs> digest information any way you yeah. can. Yeah, I'm, I'm a big fan of, uh, it's called Blinkist now. It's kind of like a bite-sized version of Audible. Um, Blinkist does um, book summaries. It's like 50 bucks a year. Um, I have it on my phone. It's, it's wicked awesome. Um, right now, I've got Influenced by Robert Cialdini, I think is how you say it. Yeah. I'm um, reading it now. I'm reading it I legit just got it, um, and, and it's really good because it, it's good for book summaries, gets you all dialed in, and then if it's really good and you want a deep dive, you can go get the whole book. But I would say if somebody wants to position themselves to be a leader, they better turn their ears on and start learning from the leaders that have come before them. And I would encourage them to start talking to the leaders that they have now and ask them, hey, you know, what do you think makes a good leader? Because they might be set to be a good leader, but not in that organization. If they start asking upper management what makes a good leader – it may not fit the vision that that person wants when they become a leader. The next thing is this, write down everything that you don't want to be as a leader and do it and don't throw that damn piece of paper away because Uh 99 out of a hundred salespeople that move into a leadership role when they're a salesperson, well, when I'm a manager, when I'm a leader, I'll never do this. And then they become a leader and they don't know what to do. So what do they do? They replicate the stuff that they do. So you know, write down yeah. the stuff that you hate, write down the stuff you, that, you, that you believe would, would help, really help people as a leader, that would have helped you as a salesperson. Start talking to the leadership there to see if it's a fit and learn, learn, learn. That's what they got to start with. I, I love the Blinkist thing. I, I don't think I've heard of that one. So I put that in the, the chat box there. 
Thanks for that. Um, this brings up another question because I, I, I at one point had a conversation with, um, so, so let me just kind of set the scene here. Uh, was at a company was one of the longest tenured sales reps there, top, top performing sales rep. Um, um, you, you know, uh, the, for some reason, and I could never get an answer. Uh, and I asked several times, um, I was, I was passed up. They ended up hiring in, uh, a, a VP of sales. Um, when I had been running the team as a team leader. Uh, so there was something there that, that maybe they saw or didn't see. Um, so if I would have gone and asked, actually, I did ask this. I said, you know, I really, I really think that I can pass along my experience, expertise, and knowledge and make other salespeople successful. How can I do that? And, and essentially, the, the answer was, I don't think I don't think you're, you're, you would be a good sales manager. So, um, you know, when I think about asking those that are above me, um, you know, in, in that particular scenario, um, you know, I was getting some mixed messages for, for one. But, um, you know, I, I still feel like, you know, I've got a I've got I, I've got the ability to, to to look at big picture. I can look at granular and I can be ground level, but I can also look at big picture. I really care. I, I think that I think that serving your salespeople is really really important. So my question is, as I kind of talk through this, um, uh, when you're in that sort of situation where you're up against that sort of adversity, you're getting some some uh, pushback on you know on on moving into a leadership role. What what say you, Matt, on how to navigate those um, sensitive waters? I'll, I'll tell you, man, uh, two things. One, when I say um, ask those above you, um, let me make sure I clarify. That doesn't mean what they say is going to be right. The, the purpose for that exercise is twofold. Well, it's really onefold. It's to learn. And you're going to learn one of two things. You're going to either learn that they care about you and that they really want to guide and coach you. And sometimes it's to tell you it's not the right time. Uh, but if they tell you it's not the right time, they should be able to come with some here's, if that's what you really want to do, here's how to get there. Or it's to learn if that's not the right place for you. Because sometimes it hurts, man. We're human. God, rejection sucks. I'm like, I'm a, like, I'm a pretty brash dude. But my one feeling that I have left is pretty sensitive. So yeah. like, you know, when I get like fired up about stuff, dude, my feelings get hurt. Like I get, I get teary eyed. You know, it, it really hurts to feel rejected. And sometimes though, the challenge, we have to realize that that person saying you're not right for this role, they don't have the authority to tell us that we're a qualified person. We've already been validated by the fact that we've been created and we're here. Right. So the reality is maybe that person just isn't the right person I need to be seeking wisdom from. Mm -hmm. But make sure when we ask a question that we're listening with the intent to understand, because the challenge is sometimes we write it off as, well, they didn't give me the answer I want. So they're they're an idiot. Yeah. So, and, so I think you make a good point. Right. I, I uh, it's not personal necessarily. Right. It's not like it's not about it's not like an attack on you as a character if they don't promote you or give you what you want. It's just you don't fit the mold of what they had envisioned. And yeah. And, and even if it is an attack on your character, you gotta realize that your character isn't determined by someone else. By somebody else. Opinion. Okay, fair enough. Yeah. Yeah. So, so, so here's, how would, here's how I would respond to that. Here's what I take away from that. Um, Number one, you know, sometimes people are going to see you as a good fit for different roles. Sometimes they're not. Um, and that's OK. I suppose maybe maybe what I maybe what I could have looked for in that sort of situation was um, even if I wasn't a good fit for a particular role at an organization, I think a good leader would have said, you know what? We don't have a spot right now for you. But what I would love to do is help develop those skills so that if a spot opens up outside of the company and you want to take that by all means, let's get you ready for that. If that's what you want to do. Yeah. And I mean, listen, I'll be the first to tell you, I'm not trying to equip dudes to go leave me. Um, now some people say, you know, you should equip people to replace you. And that I firmly believe. Listen, I co-own my company. I'm not trying to equip Chris to, to, to 
uh, hostile takeover me, right? But but we are equipping Chris to be a partner in this company and, and to not just be uh, our VP of operations, but to but to have ownership stake in our company. And and a lot of companies don't do that. They don't want they don't want other owners, but I do because I know when you own something, you care more about it when it's yours, right? And Tim and I firmly believe that. So what I, in my opinion, I think the better coaching that that person could have done. You know, like let's say Henry's man, I want to be a manager. I'm a top sales dude. I think I got what it takes, bro. Come on, and and that's and that's how I talk. So that's just how the shit's going <laughs> to stop. And and I might say to Henry, you know, if I don't feel like he's right for you yet, I might say, dude. I'm not seeing it in you right now, but that doesn't mean I'm right. I'm just saying I don't see it right now. So I, I would ask him, I would ask him a lot of questions. Why do you want it? If you're in that role, what's going to be different? Like what? Because in your mind, something's not right for whoever's doing it, which is why you should. So what is what? All right. I'm, I'm a leader in this company and I'm your leader. So what could I do better? How can I serve you better? Right. I'm going to listen to that feedback because that feedback is going to help me make a well-informed decision on whether he is someone I should coach. And if he's not, I'm going to be, I'm going to be brutally honest and not mean, but honest. I'm going to say, Henry, I don't see it in you, man. And that doesn't mean I'm right. But while I'm the leader here, I, I just, based on the way, you know, where you're at now in the space you're in now and what you're talking about now, it doesn't seem like a good idea to invest time in equipping you for that because I don't think you're going to stay. I don't think you're going to be here and I could be wrong, but I'm not feeling it. And if some things change, then maybe I would, I would be, I, not maybe, I'd be definitely open to taking another look, but right now is not the right time, dude. And I would leave it at that. If I felt like there was opportunity, I'd say, hey, I think there's some opportunity. Here are the things that I want to see out of you before we take any next steps, though. Then I would, yeah, I would I throw something back to him, right? And, and, and here's the other thing, though. Uh, and for those of you that, that have never tuned into anything with me, uh, it's, this next comment is not G-rated. It's <laughs> PG-13. Sometimes people are assholes, and we just need to recognize that and go, that guy's an asshole. He, that, he, he is. Somehow he got in that role. He's an asshole. He's never going to care about me. He doesn't exist to serve me as his salesperson. So I need to educate myself and equip myself as best as possible outside of here and keep my eyes open for the thing that fits my vision and my beliefs. To totally. I mean, so yeah, let's say you're a salesperson in that position where you do get that sort of candid feedback. Hey, I, you know, I, I, you know, I don't see that in you right now. I may be wrong, but I don't see that in you right now. It hurts. How, how do you, how does the salesperson stay motivated in that sort of situation? Because, you know, if, if, if they feel very strongly that they need something like that to keep them motivated, and they're getting that sort of feedback that that you know they're not, not going to get enough. that support. Right, right. I mean, if if the boss man says, if the CEO says, you know, I'm I, I'm I don't believe in that, and I'm not going to help equip you to get to that place that you really want to be, then you know the the employee or the sales rep is going to leave anyway. So you might as well, in my opinion, you might as well equip them and do as much as you can to help build them up, so that if something comes outside, then then you know, great. Before I share my opinion, what were you going to say, Henry? Because I knew yeah, you were about to say something on that. Because I agree. I, I agree with, with Sean a bit, right? If um, So you said something at the end that, that that turned me a bit. But at first, like if you said, like, look, I don't think you're, you got it. I think you're going to leave. Like, I'd be like, all right, yeah. Like, in my opinion, right, there's no point in selling somebody who, who's, not, who's not looking to buy, right? True. But so So if you're not looking to buy, it's like, there are thousands of other places that, you know, maybe not thousands, right? But, but I have a criteria of what I want in a place. And there's some place that will have me in that position that I want. But you said something at the end. Um, but but uh, you said, but if you did these things, then I would be, then I'd be open to having that conversation. And I think that leaves the door open for, okay, let me go do these things that he said. And then if he still says no, then it may be then it may be another story, right? But like I have I need some kind of at least trickle of water. Like, all right, he may let me drink. Like, you know, like so I, that's kind of uh where I if it but there was if there was no trickle, I'm I'm out. Now both of you, you tapped on that and, and if it's okay, I, I, I wanna touch what you said and what you asked at the end, Sean, or what you said yeah. at the end. Uh Henry, I agree. And here's the thing. If you don't feel like there's hope right? Then of course you're going to go. I never think a leader should give false hope, right? I don't think that they should. 
Um, I think that's a horrible thing to do to somebody uh, to dangle them along so you can get more sales out of them and get, you know, what you want uh, because that's their livelihood. That's their heart. You're, you're jacking up. Right. But here's the thing. If you're in your heart of hearts, you truly feel you're called to be a leader. Nothing's going to stop you from that. Right. You're going to keep learning. You're going to keep investing in yourself. And, and, and when you do that, it will be seen. So nothing's going to stop you. If you truly feel that drive, it's going to shine through and good, good people will see that. Now the challenge is, and I'm going to go with what, what Sean said. The challenge is the, the, you know, if you don't see hope for them, we'll equip them the best you can to send them out. I, I, and, and you said, you know, how do they stay motivated? Right. So there's, that's a two part thing. And I'm going to, I'm going to start with the, how do they stay motivated and then shift to the other one. I think it is the job of a leader to inspire their people. Listen, um, we all want self-starters and all these people, they post on Facebook. I'm grinding it. I'm still grinding it out at 3 AM. Suck a bag of dicks. No, you're not. Dude, it's because you slept <laughs> until noon. You're hungover from all the other shit you were doing on the beach with your boys. You know, you you spend more time in your hair than I do. You're grinding until two in the morning because you don't have a job. You know, uh, the, the reality is this: everybody talks about you got to be self motivated. You got to be self, but but it's not real. It's not real to to do that. Even people that say they're self motivated are not. They're, when they turn on. E.T., Eric Thomas, right? When they fire up some Tony Robbins, they're not self-motivating. They're going to the well for a drink, right? Like when they listen to Zig Ziglar. So the thing is, as a leader, it's our job to, to help them find that, right? We've got to um, seek out ways to motivate our people, to help them get that motivation that they need. And as leaders, unfortunately, we don't always have another person that's going to do it for us. So we have to go to the well via the stuff we put in place, right? So when that salesperson gets told not now, they're naturally going to feel hurt. And it's going to feel like we're saying you're not good enough, but that's not what we're saying. So we have to be very careful. Um, I, and, I'll, and I'll share a living example how I botched that. Um, but that being said, if, they're, if we do not see that shining hope in them to be a leader, we think you are the best salesperson ever, Sean Mitchell. And I'm not going to lie to you and say you're going to be a manager at my company just so I can milk sales out of you. But I want to work with you to be, to, to be able to make even more money and maybe cut back the amount of time it takes to do it so you can live a better quality of life. Or maybe work you into a role of working with some of the other salespeople and getting a piece off of the deals that you help them bring in. Maybe, you know, a, a co-sales closer or something like that. But if I don't see you as a leader, I'm just going to honestly tell you that. And I'm going to say, listen, I'm not going to fire you because you want to be a leader. Look, if you want to look for a leadership gig somewhere else, you have a position here as long as you keep performing. The moment I see your stuff drop in the toilet because you're job hunting, you're gone. I'm going to let you go because I respect you enough not to bullshit you. But if you want to look for another gig, I'm okay with it because I don't want to hamper what you desire. So you've got a job here as long as you keep performing. You got a job while you're looking for something else, dude. I don't want to lose you. I don't want to lose your sales. But please make sure you keep that positive attitude and don't don't tell customers, say, these guys aren't giving me the job I want, so I'm leaving. Because if you do that and I hear it, you're gone right then and we're, it's not nice, right? But I, I respect my people enough to be honest with them. Now here's where I drop the ball. With my own son who works for me. Work hard, guys. From 20 years, Grant Cardone always says, don't be a little bitch, right? We always say that to each other. And it's a shitty thing to say, really. But Tim and Chris and I, we always do that, right? Anytime somebody starts to complain, it's like, what? don't be a little bitch, dude. What are you whining about? Come on. What, how do, where's, where's the solution? So, you know, my son called and I realized, like, you know, I'm like, hey, how's your, oh, man, I got my teeth kicking all day. Well, don't be a little bitch. Whine about it, man. Tune it up. Fix it tomorrow. Didn't even think. He's 21, by the way. Didn't even think it was affecting him any different than us. Well, he came up one day. He for sure appreciated me telling the story. But since it's not him in the wrong, me in the wrong, I think he'd be all right with it. So he came up one day and, and he said that. And I told him that. I'm like, don't be a little, but whatever. And, and I could see his attitude just shifting bad. And we were having a sit-down meeting because his, his attitude was just really in the dumper. And I'm like, dude, you know, what are you listening to every morning? Like, we're trying to coach you. We're trying to guide you. What can we do? well, this, this, this. And it's like your appointment numbers are down. You know, the uh, number of calls he was making was down. I'm like, dude, we need 150 calls a day. That phone's got to ring 150 times. So the 70, 80 shit doesn't float. Come on, what is going on? Well, you're, I'm on the phone 
phone with these guys and they're putting me on hold forever. I'm like, have some self-respect, dude. If a guy's like, I'm going to put you on hold, say, no, you're not going to put me on hold. It takes 32 seconds to set an appointment. It's Tuesday or Wednesday better. Let's set it, and then I'll get off the phone. No, I'm going to hold on. And if a guy puts you on hold, 30 seconds, hang up on his ass. Because his time is no more valuable than yours. You're a human being. I don't give a flying shit if he owns a, a fucking Maserati in a mansion. His time is not any more valuable than yours. You could get hit by a bus when you leave tonight. You can't get this time back. That guy, if he's disrespecting you, I'm not saying tell him to fuck off. I'm saying hang up on him. Who cares? There are 40,000 more people you can call in this country, right? So he wasn't getting it. He wasn't getting it. And I just couldn't process it. And I got pissed. I felt like his attitude was in the shitter. And I was like, dude, you know what? Just go home. And get, congratulations. You got a vacation day tomorrow, too, for your shitty attitude. And if it's not fixed by Friday, stay home forever. Because <laughs> I don't want it here. You're not going to bring that poison here and vomit all over everybody else. Everyone's looking for a solution. You're looking for a reason to win. And I don't give a shit about you winning. I give a shit about you succeeding. So get the fuck out of here. Go. Right? That's a great talk for a father. There's son. Yeah. I think... <laughs> Think CEO to, to employ. It's, it's a shitty talk still. It was a horrible, epic fail on my part. So afterwards, I said to Chris, well, dude, what could I have done to handle that better? I'm like, good God. You know, it's like, oh. he's like, well, hey, you're a father and son. So it, it's very hard to separate it out, right? So you, you start doing this. And the solution was, A, you know, we're texting after work. And I talked to him. And then he told me, he said, you know, he's like, the last three weeks, you ask how it's going. Every time I tell you something that's not good, you tell me not to be a little bitch. And I'm like, yeah. He's like, well, that's really shitty for my self-esteem. I'm like, <laughs> I'm like grow up, dude. I'm like, what the hell? That's how we, that's how everybody talks. And I'm like, you don't come from my business. You're not, our, our, we're used to it, but it doesn't make it right. We're just used to it. So I had to apologize. As a leader of the company, I had to apologize. Not just to him directly. I had to apologize to him I chose to apologize to him the next morning in our meeting in front of everybody because he deserved it. Like, my bad, I dropped the ball. I didn't say my bad. I said, listen, yesterday, that was all my fault. You know, my, my job is to help figure out a way to inspire you, not, you know, get you to expire. And that was all on me, totally my fault. Do I think you need to make some changes? Yes. But the way that went down, all me, total fail. And how we fixed it? I, he doesn't report to me at all. No, Chris, Chris does, but mm -hmm. all of our guys, they report to Chris. This detaches anything. If calling sick, if he calls it anything, it doesn't go to me. It goes to Chris. Chris is his guy. Chris is his boss. That way Chris can, can be a good servant leader, but not have the emotions of a dad to their son. Yep. Right? So even though I say we're all friends and family, Chris is one of my best friends in the world. He is like family to me, but it's a different dynamic than with your own son. So we coach different, but we still, I mean, we still rub it. You still rub it raw a little bit every now and then. But I mean, at the end of the day, as a good leader, you got to also know when you fail and you got to be man or woman enough to just go to your people and say, I screwed up. hundred percent, hundred percent. For the people who are in a leadership position on this blab and they're having some troubles motivating their team or individual sales reps, What's your advice to them and in, in how, how can they motivate their team to collectively reach a goal that they're, uh, you know, that they're shooting for? Um, I think uh, first and foremost, um, they have to actually know their team and know what inspires them. Right. And the only way to do that is to sit down and spend time with them and say, what do you want? What, 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 what's your high? What gets you jacked up? What makes you happy? Right? Because that's the end game. Most of you that listen to me on Periscope and stuff like that know that what I always talk about is the end result of anything is happiness, right? That's why we do it all. Money buys us stuff. Stuff makes us happy. Money puts, you know, makes our kids smile. When they smile, we're happy. So the first thing we got to do is sit down with our, our salespeople and ask them what drives them. And now the first answers that they're going to give us are what they think we want to hear. So we need to ask it over and over and over and find out, learn, is it they're, you know, they've wanted to take their wife to Hawaii for 20 years and have never been able to afford to. And if they could do that, it would make their wife's dream come true and that would make them happy. Whatever. Then when we look at our collective goal, right, we, we need to look at every single thing that our, our people want and need and desire 
help them frame in a plan to get it and then go, you know, okay, what, what do you need to sell Sean Mitchell to accomplish that goal? What do you need to sell Henry Johnson to accomplish that goal? Now, if I have a sales team of 10 and I look at what their dreams are and their goals and their desires, good chance that all the stuff they want to accomplish is going to actually probably be much larger than the goal I needed anyway. But if it's not, I need to look and see, are my goals even realistic? Right. Problem is a lot of times we go, okay, we, we sell 80 cars a month, but we need to be at 300. All right, Sean, you've been selling 10 cars for me. I need 15 out of you. How in the name of God is this guy going to have a 50% improvement for no reason? So the second thing we got to do once we find out what our wants, needs, and desires are is we have to, we have to not set goals at all for 90 days. Now this is going to, this is probably going to make a lot of leaders think that I'm batshit crazy. But um, I'm going to tell you, for 90 days, don't set a goal. Track everything. And here's the everything you got to track. The amount of people that they shake. I'll call them handshakes, right? The amount of people that they open a conversation with, the amount of people that they get to um, actually uh, present the product to, the amount of people that say yes to the product, and the amount of people that take the product home, right? So handshakes to presentations to putting them on paper. Sorry, that was the third thing. How many, how many people are they shaking hands with? How many are they demoing a product? How many are they writing up? Like giving a proposal to? How many positive proposals come back? And how many actually close? Five areas, not rocket science. Track that for 90 days and you'll see where the gaps are. But what you'll also see is which actions lead to which results. So here's what I know. I can Then I can say to a medical certainty, for every 10 people that you meet, Sean Mitchell, you sell one car. All right, what are two cars? So here's how this works. You talk to 10, you take eight on a test drive, you put four on paper and you sell two and, and everyone you sell takes it home. So I know, okay, for every 10 handshakes Sean has, he sells two cars. So one way I can get you from two to three is to get you to shake 15 hands, right? Or if I go, okay, for every eight product presentations, you sell two cars. Hmm, if I wanna get you to four cars sold. I just got to figure out a way to get you to do 16 demonstrations, right? You, you see where I'm going with this. So in order to, to, to achieve our goals, what we really have to do is we have to know the math in the first place. If we haven't tracked, there is no logical way that we can even frame those goals in. So first, get to know your people, know what their wants, needs, and desires are, because that's what you're going to have to coach to, because that's what's going to motivate them, not your goals. They don't give a shit about your goals as a leader. They care about themselves and their own happiness. That, though, if you help them achieve that, you will hit your goals. But you can't do it if you don't do the math. So do the math. That's the thing you got to do afterwards. That's awesome. Thanks. That's cool. Um, let, let's give anyone who's on the line an opportunity to come and join the open seat if you want to. And while they're doing that, um, Matt, what resources can someone – uh, uh, used to help develop their, their leadership skills. Do you have any recommendations as far as people, books, you know, audio clips, anything like that? Oh, yeah. Uh, I'm, I'm, a, I'm a fan of Simon Sinek. I, I, like, I like him. Uh, and, um, and I would say <laughs> read anything by him, and it will equip you to be uh, a better leader. But here's the other thing I would say, um, resource-wise. Um, if you want to become a leader, the first thing that I want you to do is, uh, or first thing I would encourage you to do, is work on your attitude and and spend the next spend the next week doing nothing but saying positive, encouraging things to the people around you. See if you can hack it. See if you can hack a week of it not being all about you. As far as resources for being a leader. Uh, listen to Tony Robbins, read, uh, read about other leaders' stories. Because um, a lot of times we think when we go in a leadership role, it's, it's the pinnacle of, of uh, finally I've made it. And, and then when we hit the struggles, we, we're like, wait a minute, I, didn't think, I thought this is where I'd go once I've made it. Uh, so uh, read about Richard Branson, <laughs> read about Steve Jobs, read about Bill Gates, um, so that you can see that the best leaders also fail a lot. Uh, because that's, that's what you need to do. And um, listen to a heck of a lot of motivational stuff. Book from Simon Sinek that I, I would recommend first and foremost is start with why. I think everything should start with that question. Okay. So start with why. Uh, amazing book. Um, why, you can watch uh, his TED Talk too. But if you, if you want a good leadership resource, 
read that book. Start with why, because that that will help you start looking at all the questions you should be asking. Love that. That's yeah. great. I've heard of this book, but I haven't read it. So, it's great. Uh, the gonna, audio gonna, book is great as well, of course. Is it does is does he actually read the book or is it someone um, reading for him? It's someone reading for him, I believe, on Audible. And I also and Simon Sinek also did Leaders Eat Last. Um, yeah. uh, and here's the thing, uh, religious or not, here's what I'm gonna tell you. Uh, I think is the best leadership resource in the universe. And obviously, by my language, you can tell I'm not very churchy. But I do love, <laughs> I, I love Jesus. I, I am a, I, I really do. I mean, a firm believer that, uh, you know, there's a God and, you know, it says we're created in the image of him. So anytime people think they're weak and all this other crap, I'm like, uh, well, if the, if all that stuff's true, you're created in the image of the creator of the universe. So that's pretty badass. But here's yeah. what I'll tell you, whether you believe that it's a fictional or non-fictional story, if you read the New Testament of the Bible, that is the best leadership example you will ever see in the world. Jesus was a good one. Dude was a rock star, right? I mean, how do you walk around coming from a town that's nowhere, right? And get a bazillion people to follow you. And in uh, the best thing in there, because I, I talked about the Rockstar Auto Conference. So if you don't mind, there's there's just three things that I think every, every leader's got to do. And uh, every good one has exampled these three. Every big leader from Jesus to Gandhi to Martin Luther King Jr. to Steve Jobs to Richard Branson – uh, the best leaders in the universe do three things. One, they aspire to inspire. They're always looking to inspire people to, to reach the pinnacle of their greatness. Uh, two, they listen with the intent to understand. They listen to the people in front of them. They listen to the people behind them, right? Because you can't just grow from the people that came before you. There are innovators that, that are right there over our shoulder. We just need to turn around and listen. Um, Last but certainly not least, sorry, I phone lit up. I just want to make sure it wasn't about the blap. Uh, last but certainly not least, uh, wash feet. Wash your people's feet. Serve them. That's it. You do those, those three things well, and you will be the absolute best of the best, and you will leave a leadership legacy like no other if you just embrace those three. Absolutely love it. I think it's great. It's true. It's forever will be true as well. You know, it, it, it's not like it's going to go out of style, right? You know, there, there are no. some like sales techniques and leadership techniques that are, that are in style and out of style. Those, those things oh, will yeah. forever be true. hundred percent. For sure, man. That, for sure. Th- thank, thank you so much for being on. It means the world to me as a friend and as, as you know, someone who, who I, I've got a, 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 I would, I would consider you a friend. So thank you so much for taking time thank out of your you. evening. Uh, um, where can people find you for those that are watching this live and watching the replay? How can they get in touch with you? Um, on Twitter at Konigco, K-O-N-I-G-C-O. Um, Twitter, I love Twitter. I, it's my, I love the medium, but according to Gary V, Twitter sucks because it's way too broad. <laughs> um, but uh, the other way is um, on Facebook. Well, Periscope also, same thing, at K-O-N-I-G-C-O. But Facebook, I love Chris Spear. Chris Spear created my Facebook page, and it, the, the, the public figure page. And is, uh, man, you just sound arrogant saying it. Facebook.com forward slash best public speaker. <laughs> uh, so if you go there... You can search me on Facebook, M-A-T-K-O-E-N-I-G. If you connect with me on the public speaker page, that's the best way because I'm truly trying to embrace um, Facebook as a medium to connect with people I know, which, by the way, I, I connected with you on there, Henry. Uh, I sent you a friend request, I think, the, yesterday. Yeah! That so, makes um, it real. You know that, right? It, it does. It does. Well, that's what I'm trying to actually make it, and uh, I'm trying to trim down the people that I – that I've never interacted with, don't know, or don't see as somebody I can make money on, um, and move everybody else over to, to to be on the public figure page so I can do more interaction there, uh, you know, business motivation and training wise, and keep the 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 personal stuff personal. So hook up with me on Facebook, M A T K O E N I G. I would tell you to go to my website, but I hated the theme; it was so slow that I crushed it. Uploaded another one on WordPress, but uh, in two weeks you'll go to MattKanig.com again, and it won't suck. <laughs> right nice. now it's just nice. an ugly theme so if you've got um dealerships that are watching this show and they're liking what you're smoking um how can they are you oh you're open to be hired and and how can they do that if they want to hire you uh, yeah 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 um so that's a great question so i do a lot of speaking stuff um at, at different uh, events like digital dealer uh nada and stuff like that that doesn't cost you anything to come see me um if you want me to come in and uh, see your dealership you're welcome to drop me an email 
um, talk about what you want. We'll put together a quote. But um, if you think it's going to be cheap, you might as well save the email. Because when I make you a lot of money, I don't do it for free. Uh, I might be nice, but I'm no Mother Teresa. You can email Matt, M-A-T, at K-O-N-I-G dot C-O. And not just dealerships. Uh, listen, every company sells a product. Um, just because I spent a lot of time in automotive, uh, cars.com just sold for $2 billion. And I groomed their team uh, for years. So, I mean, let's not kid ourselves. The, the fundamental core principles are the same. So whatever company you're at, um, I can help. And uh, if you, if you're offended by all the ink and things like that, um, you better like money more than you hate tattoos. That's what I can say. <laughs> M-A-T at K-O-N-I-G dot C-O. Uh, reach it. out to me uh, or you can reach out to me through Twitter, Facebook, any of the social mediums. I will reply. Nobody manages those for me. I actually reply to you. So. Awesome. Cool. So thanks again, Matt. Um, I want to want to uh, tease out our next episode. Um, we're going to have David Villa actually woo, woo. on the show next week, next Tuesday, 9 p.m. Eastern uh, is going to be talking about uh, sales and and how to be a sales rock star. So, um, Henry, any closing thoughts or comments? Um, no, no, nothing in particular. Uh, I think the, the main things I wanted to rehash is let's all connect on social, right? I think, uh, Twitter. So yeah, Gary V talks about it's very broad, but I think it's the best place to kind of have, uh, conversations. So at talk to Henry J at Koenig co K O N I G co and at Sean and Mitchell on the Twitters and then hashtag real sales talk, uh, as well. So connect with us. We'd love to chat. Absolutely, man. Thank you guys so much. I, I really appreciate you having me on, on, the, on the show. Uh, thank you very much for that. What a, a really great opportunity. So I really appreciate both of you. Henry, good to meet you in person, bro. Uh, Sean, great to, great to see you again, my friend. Uh, I really appreciate it. So thank you both very much for that. Uh, kindred hearts for sure. And uh, we'll, we'll have you back on the show again uh, sometime very soon. So thanks for your time. And uh, we'll, we'll, we'll connect online. Sounds good. Have a great night, guys. Have a good one. See ya.